Big Apple, the city that never sleeps, and Gotham are all nicknames for the most populous city in the U.S., New York City. More than 8 million New Yorkers live in the city of which one-third were born outside of the U.S. It's the largest, most diverse, wealthiest, and most influential American metropolis, making it the cultural and financial hub of the country. Today, we will be interviewing the managing director of the historic Park Lane New York Hotel, which has recently undergone a reimagination. We also have the honor of interviewing stand-up comedian, actor, and New York City resident, Adam Mamawala. We are very excited to explore this great American city on this episode of Destination Everywhere, New York City. Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Having traveled to over 100 countries, Todd and Andy bring you unique perspectives with celebrities in the know, hospitality experts, and native connoisseurs to discover must-dos and inspirational destinations to plan your next trip for business or pleasure. So pack your bags and get ready as we bring you Destination Everywhere with Todd and Andy. Welcome to this Destination Everywhere episode, everyone. My name is Andy McNeil, along with Todd Bloodworth, and we're talking today about the city that never sleeps, the Big Apple, you name it, one of our favorite places on the planet, New York City. We've been there so many times, probably the city I've been to personally more than any other than my hometown. Just have had so many great, wonderful, incredible experiences there. Todd, give me like just your top three things to do when you go to New York. Well, yeah, I think we've talked about it on a couple of episodes, but just urban hike, you know, go just leave your yeah. hotel without a destination and just go walk. And I think that's the best thing to do. I think every time that we've done that in the city, we end up at just some place that we just, you know, we didn't know it was on our bucket list and then we've just marked it off. It's kind of that kind of atmosphere. All right. What's the second one? The second one, I, you know, I love going down to the village area. There's, there's so much to do shopping, you know, go grab a beer, lots of little parks. It's absolutely a wonderful place, but you know, I'm a Broadway guy. I love going to the show. I love the excitement of Times Square. So that's um, is that liked, number three or are we still on your number two? Well, I, you know, I guess that's, that's, that's number three. I really can't name them. I mean, there are just way too many, but you know, I'll leave it at that. I, so you, I, didn't so, even, oh, wait, you didn't even I, mention Central Park. I, well, that's what I was just going to say, <laughs> Central Park. You know, we've been there when they had the Gates exhibit, you know, and we saw all those beautiful orange gates and it snowed while we were there. So you're seeing this orange gates and Central oh, what Park a great and memory. snowing. It was absolutely amazing. So, yeah, and that was something we didn't even really know you know, was happening when we went to the city. We just kind of walked upon it. I mean, we well, that's what happens it. in New York. You just walk around and all these adventures just show up, right? Yeah, the adventure finds you. Oh, and of course, the parade, the Macy's Day Parade, something, you know, again, just being there, I didn't know you could go see the balloons the night before. Yeah. And they have all of the balloons on the ground that's getting great. staged. And you just kind of walk through and you're getting up close a viewing of the balloons. And, and we did that with our kids. They loved it. We loved it. But yeah, again, you know, you never know what to expect when you go. So sometimes it's best to not plan anything. But yeah, there's, there's a couple of interesting facts about New York. We'll just kind of run through some real quick. But originally, New York was called New Amsterdam. And then 1664, the British seized New Amsterdam from the Dutch and renamed it New York in honor of the Duke of New York, who would become King James II of England. So that's one interesting fact. Well, yeah. And then I found out through this process of research in the city that in 1895, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Brooklyn voted to consolidate with Manhattan to form the five boroughs. 
of Greater New York. I always wondered when that happened. So it was in 1895. And Manhattan is actually the smallest of the boroughs. Yep. And more than 30 million tourists travel to New York City every year to Manhattan alone. So that's a lot of people in a small space, but they seem to know how to work it. So we've got a lot to cover. We're going to come back to New York many, many times because you can't do that in one episode. And we got a great guest to kick it off. We have Prince Saunders, the managing director of the Parkland Hotel, just went through a multi-million dollar renovations and they have absolutely one of the best locations in the city. So let's turn it over to Prince and Todd. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere in New York. I'm really excited to have our next guest, who happens to be the managing director of the Park Lane New York, which is an amazing property right on Central Park. So we're going to hear a little bit more about it, but I'd like to introduce Prince A. Sanders. So Prince, thank you for joining us. Oh, Todd, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. No, absolutely. You know, I was actually just in New York. We were talking just before we started the interview. And it's it's such, a, you know, if someone doesn't enjoy their time in New York, I just don't know what could possibly make them have any fun. Let's. Talk, I want to talk about a little bit of your start first. So you've got a tremendous hospitality experience. What kind of your history and then ending up right now with the Park Lane New York, what was kind of the evolution of that? You know, I got my first professional experience as a leader in hospitality with W Hotels, and we were hot in those days. Yes. It was oh, yeah. an exciting time to be with W. Everyone wanted to be a part of W. So to be in your 20s and a part of that brand that was new and hip and fun was a really exciting time. But the most important thing is that during my tenure with W, I had the opportunity to become a trainer for the company. And they had some fantastic training programs like the Woo of W, which was the introductory program for any of our new hires. Um, and I was certified in three of our opening training programs. And that led me onto the opening team for many of the properties for W Hotels. So throughout my career at W, I opened the W Chicago City Center, W Lakeshore Drive, W Mexico City, San Diego. Been to all of them. Been to all of them. I mean, some really... Really fun, fun properties. I mean, you're dealing with like kind of that really hip and trendy energy. And the Park Lane seems, or I think people might have the perception that it's a little more classic, a little more historic, you know. So, you know, that transition, how does that happen going from really you're dealing with people in their 20s, you've got the best clubs and W's, you know, awesome restaurants and great spas to something that's a little more historic, with the Park Lane and your transformation, we were formerly known as a traditional hotel on Billionaire's Row. And much like many of the other hotels around the park, what we did within this renovation is we put a little bit of a twist to it. We, we kept the iconic historic look of the exterior of the building, but inside we completely transformed it and created something that's a little bit more whimsical, a little bit more lighthearted and much more approachable. Nice. I want to go back to you know your experience because you do have this tremendous amount of, of hospitality experience. That's great. But even more unique than that, you have experience as a dancer, a ballet dancer. Yes, correct. And an author. And please talk a little bit about both of those things and kind of like, you know, did they influence you a little bit in the decisions that you make, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, what you're doing with the property? I truly believe that once an artist, always an artist, uh, that it's a, a form of expression. 
And no matter what you do in life, even when you, you know, transition from being a professional dancer or, or any other type of artist that you, you carry a little bit of that element in everything that you do. But you're, you're absolutely right. I started my career as a professional ballet dancer. Growing up, in New York, my parents thought it was really important to expose me and my brother to several, you know, different things within the arts and to really learn about our city. And so aside from sports games, which was my brother's thing, we attended tons of professional sports, sporting events. I got to experience kabuki theater and the symphony, the opera and, you know, classical ballet. And I fell in love with it at a very young age and told my parents I want to dance. And they put me in dance class and I moved up the ranks, you know, very quickly. So I got my first professional contract at a very young age. I started dancing professionally at 16 with the Albano Ballet and finished my career dancing with Joffrey Ballet of the Chicago. And, you know, that was really exciting, not just for me, but for my entire family. I was one of the first members of my family to travel the world and, and dance at the Lyric Opera in Chicago or the Kennedy Center or in Lincoln Center. And as I traveled around, I would send postcards to my family from the different countries that I would go to and, and kind of give them a little taste of the places that I was that I was in. So that's amazing. You know, dance was, was truly my first love and, and still holds a, a special place in my heart. That's amazing. And then talk about a little bit about becoming an author. What inspired you to do that? I was spending some time with my nieces and nephews and, and I had taken them out to a dinner and they were wild. Let me tell you, these kids were just eating with their hands and going crazy. And I thought my mother would have never allowed this growing up. And I realized that maybe this next generation is not getting some of the teachings that we got when I was grow growing up. And it kind of inspired me to write a book. It, it helped me to use a little bit of my creativity. It helped me to intertwine being in hospitality, writing, food and beverage. I got to put all of that together. So my first book was called Which Forks First? Teaches Children Dining Etiquette, Proper Dining Etiquette. And the second book, which is Everybody's Good at Something, is a book about finding your inner talent, that everyone has that special thing about them inside that you just have to discover what it is. And sometimes along that road, people may not get it and you could experience being bullied and how you handle those situations when faced with it. But both of these stories are, are based on experiences in my life. And I love to teach. You know, as I mentioned earlier, being a trainer with, with W Hotels, I was soon after a certified speaker with Ritz Carlton. So this writing these books allowed me to, to teach, to give a lesson and to do it through story, which I love so much. That's amazing. That's great. I actually wrote down the name. I have two young ones myself. So anything to help the learning process and drive the creative juices is I'm all for. The, the overhead title is The Extraordinary Ordinary Life of Prince. And then it's Which Forks First and Everybody's Good at Something. I love it. I love it. Although, you know, I thought my life was uh, kind of ordinary. People think it was a little bit extraordinary when they hear some of the things I've done. It's definitely extraordinary. There's, there's no I, doubt about that. I can already tell. Thank so you. now let's go back to the hotel. So how long have you been with the Park Lane? I joined the team in December of 2019, and I was brought on board specifically for this project. And I was excited to have an opportunity to collaborate and to create something new on Billionaire's Row. And you can imagine things got a little bit scary for me moving into 2020. It was so uncertain, so unknown. But we continued forward, not knowing what tomorrow would bring. And everyone was behind this project 100%. And when we got the green light to start, we went right into action. 
So when they said start, what were your goals? What were you looking to accomplish by the end of this? Well, you can imagine this was you know, quite a difficult water to navigate through. We were in the middle of COVID. We remained open as a hotel through the pandemic and through the renovation. It was extremely important for our team members as possible. We wanted them to go on this journey with us as we were transforming the hotel and, and make it a part of, of their of their story as well. And knowing that once you, you know, have the opportunity to go through that transformation, it becomes personal. You know, it, it's something that's special to each and every team member. But aside from that, I had to navigate close to 150, sometimes 200 construction workers getting their entrances and exits into the building separate from the team members, separate from the guests, doing all of the COVID checking and logging everything. So we really had quite a bit of organization to do to get into a routine. But really what we wanted to do is we wanted to produce a new product. We wanted to do it in a timely manner. We wanted to do it on budget and we wanted to execute it in the way that everyone had visualized and agreed upon. I absolutely agree with that. Prince, the Park Lane has recently gone through a reimagination that you were instrumental in. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I think the most important part to start with this is this opportunity was so exciting for me because as an operator, you don't often get the opportunity to influence a renovation. You know, in a in a traditional setting, you are told this is what your product is going to look like and you have to figure out how to work with it. I had the pleasure of working with Yabu Prussenberg as designers and they were so collaborative. We really got an opportunity to dig our teeth into this project and to really not just create spaces that were unexpected, but to do it in a thoughtful way, you know, for our guests and our travelers. Personally, this project meant so much because not only did I have an opportunity to work with design, but I also got to create a culture. Um, You know, when I worked for the Ritz-Carlton, you know, we were ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. and, And that was exciting. That meant something to me, but it was given to me. It was What I was told, this is how I am to be when I am on property. And this was an opportunity for me to create our identity, who we were as Park Lane. And Park Lane is New York-centric. I thought back to my time and that I've spent within Central Park, and I've worked on the park for over a decade. And it occurred to me one day that I've worked here so long, but I've never felt that there was a place for me to go to, a place where I felt like I belong, that I was okay to serve there, but really not to be served. And I thought, there's a missed opportunity. And so when creating the culture for Park Lane, I really wanted to create a space for all people. I wanted a, a space where people would see themselves within our team members, that within the music, within the food that we offer, that it was a space of comfort, a space of of sanctuary where you would see representation from all sorts, if you will. So the moments that make me the most proud is being able to create a culturally diverse atmosphere here on Billionaire's Row, which is not typically known for diversity, for culture, and for this kind of open and awareness. Absolutely. With the reimagination, you also have some very unique spaces, one of them being the 47th floor. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what kind of experience you can have on the 47th floor of the property? Well, I'll tell you, this is what I call our secret garden oasis in the sky. You know, formerly the 47th floor was a private terrace of the original owner of the building, the Helmsleys. And when I tell guests that we are inviting you into this space for the first time, it, it really, it is true. 
But we have created this environment called Darling that is a rooftop lounge with views that are unmatched throughout New York City. You can see straight down to the George Washington Bridge. And if you look over, you can see a glimpse of the rivers on each side and, and east and west. The space is designed in this very eclectic way. You know, what I like to say is that Darling was designed from your very eccentric aunts, you know, boudoir, if you will. She had pattern on pattern. She walked around with these very dramatic, maybe Gucci Chanel caftans. She walked around calling everyone darling and welcoming her into, welcoming them into, you know, her parlor, if you will. And it's really just created this space that localers and our guests alike have really raved about. I am absolutely putting that on my list for next time I'm in the city. You absolutely should, but but Darling is not just the only crown jewel that we have on the property. On our first floor, we've got what's called Rose Lane, which is an indoor-outdoor space. It's kind of designed after thinking about a a nod to being in a French Riviera, you know, if you will. And that space is really drawn in because previously we had no lobby bar in the hotel. So it is an an entirely new space that we can offer alfresco dining. We have some breakout space there for our events. It's about 2,000 square feet of promenade that can be closed off for private events or we use it open to the public. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention our largest meeting space, which is our Empire Room, which is about 3,000 square feet that offers a private terrace. Um, thing about that space making it so unique is that it's got these two humongous glass French doors that offer natural light, which you don't find typically when you're looking at meeting space within the city. So we've got some really unique spaces from the 47th floor to the second floor where all the meeting space is located, a total about 65,000 square feet down to Rose Lane, which you can find as you're entering the property and experiencing Park Lane. What floor of the hotel is the Empire Room on? Second floor. Now, if our listeners want to learn a little bit more about the Park Lane, where can they go uh, social media? Are you guys on Instagram, Facebook? We are on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, www.parklanenewyork.com. And Park Lane New York is our Instagram handle and our Facebook handle. You are a New Yorker. And you know, and it's such just an amazing place. The diversity, the culture, the melting pot of that city is unlike anywhere else in the United States anyways, probably in the world, I'll even say that. So when visitors come to New York, there's an expectation that, you know, there's something for everybody. What do you like to do, Prince, in terms of when you get a day off, and it doesn't sound like you get very many of those, what do you like to do around the city? As a former professional dancer, I must admit that I spend most of my time at Lincoln Center. We are a short walk away from Lincoln Center. I I spend time there reading. I still see tons of performances, New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater, of course, the opera and and the symphony. And I'm also a big Broadway fan. I've invested in a few Broadway shows um, over the last few years. And so you'll find me on Broadway. Prince, you know, thank you so much for your time today. I could go on and on, and I think you're absolutely an amazing, extraordinary person. Uh, and you are, uh, you do have an extraordinary life. So uh, thank you for joining us. And we hope to get to the Park Lane soon and see what you guys have done. It's a pleasure spending time with you. Thank you for the opportunity. So Prince A. Sanders with Park Lane Hotel. We will be right back. 
Welcome back, everyone. We've got Prince, a great guy. Can't wait to go back and see him. What a wonderful job they've done with the renovation over there. No, and honestly, you know, I could have talked to him like for a lot longer. He, he's uh, just his background and, you know, what he what he's done, you know, the book, yeah. uh, the children's books and the hotel. Absolutely. Uh, just a, a great, great guy. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to come up to our destination favorites. You know, we're walkers. We love to do those urban hikes through the city and we're going to give you some tips on uh, great things to do. So one that everyone has to do, and it, it seems like the obvious one, but One World Trade Center. And the reason is, is because there's so much history there and you can actually go to several areas of it. Todd, what are some of the areas? Well, you've got, you know, the Ground Zero and the 9-11 Museum, which is right there as well. And then one World Trade Center just, you know, explodes to the sky. It's, it's you know, you see it from everywhere. Yeah, but 1,776 feet high. Well, and talk about the experience of going in the elevator when you go. Oh, it's incredible. The- you go in the elevator and you're actually on the ground floor. And then they've got these video walls all the way around you. And as you're raising up through this, and we did this for a group and it had a big reception at the top. But as you're going up the elevator, you're starting back in the 1800s of what Manhattan looked like in the 1800s. And as you're rising up to the 1776 feet, you're going through the history of the growth of the city around you. It is 101 floors. Spectacular. Yeah. Really. And nice. then up at the top, there's one dine and one mix bar as well. So definitely, you know, call ahead to be sure that you can get in. But if you have the time, you absolutely have to check it out. The best. Absolutely. Just a great place to start. So and now let's start just walking north. If you don't know what the High Line is, you need to do it. The High Line is some converted railroad tracks that have been turned into a huge natural park in a walking area. Absolutely in, beautiful. In Chelsea at Gansevoort Street. And it goes, it's a, almost a mile and a half to 34th. And it's up the west side of Manhattan. So it's a great thing to do, but you obviously want to come back and then walk back down through the city because you're going to miss a lot. But the High Line is just, it's, it's amazing. It's natural vegetation up there. It's an old rail track and you're walking directly towards Hudson Yard. So there's so much to see and do. And then depending on the time of year you go, obviously. Absolutely. You know, and and once different. you get to Hudson Yard, there's a brand new, really, really cool thing to do. It's called Little Island. It's actually a man-made island out in the Hudson River, just jets out there and it's, it's all made of cement, but it's then it's all naturally landscaped. And it's just a great walk and an easy walk from the High Line. And obviously, if you go to Hudson Yard, One of the big things Hutchin Yard is known for now is the vessel, the amazing, was it one time walkable? I think they're looking for a solution for that. They don't let people walk it anymore, but it's an amazing structure right in the the center of Hudson Yard. So those are all great things. Walking, absolutely free to do. Yeah. And down that way is also the brand new Harry Potter store, which is like That's going fun. to like a, a Disney-esque event and it's all interactive and fun. And you can also purchase which house you're in and, just, and find out what house you're in and then buy some great merchandise. But, you know, you can just wander in there for hours just to see all the great things. And they brought a lot of the stuff and a lot of the merchandise and stores from the movie into this one destination. So check out the Harry Potter store. And before you go to the Harry Potter store, there are some interactive exhibits that you do need to get tickets for. So go online and sign up ahead of time. Don't expect that you're going to get in if you just walk into the store. You obviously can get into the store and experience a lot of different things, but plan ahead if you want to participate in one of these uh, exhibits. 
Yeah, absolutely. Great suggestion. All right, let's go way back and talk about the oldest tavern that you can actually visit in New York City, Todd. Francis Tavern, it was founded in 1762, and it's New York's oldest and most historic restaurant, which is really cool. And on December 4th, 1783, the founder of our democracy, George Washington, our first president, gathered his officers there and thanked them for their service after the last British troops left. So think about that and then go have a drink to it. But today it consists of three bars and a dining room offering classic cocktails and modern cuisine. And you can also hold private events in the same room as many of our founding fathers. So a really neat experience. Absolutely. And finally, one of my favorites is Chelsea Market. And Chelsea Market is this great mixed-use shops as well as restaurants and just a really easy thing to do. You're already walking down in Chelsea. You just pop in there. A very affordable place to eat. So if you're looking to just grab something and go, but it also has bakeries and clothing, has a, a great cigar and smoke shop. There's just lots and lots of things to do. So highly recommend stopping by the, the Chelsea Market as you're kind of meandering through the city. Something, never knowing what you're going to expect when you were in New York, we were walking through it one time and there was a, it was a pop-up sale of clothing that different designers <laughs> had had in one of these warehouses. And, and I actually had a damaged shirt and I found the exact same shirt in the right size at that sale. And it was just anything, different designers have different racks there. But again, you never know what you're going to find. But uh, Chelsea Market's a, a wonderful place to stop in and have a cup of coffee, a dessert, or uh, you know, get some shopping done. Great. So we hope you enjoyed our favorite destination favorites. Uh, New York City, I mean, that is just the tip of the iceberg, but those are some great suggestions. All right. And next, Andy is going to be talking with actor and comedian and podcaster Adam Mamawala. Yep. He's a local. Can't wait to talk to him. Are you ready to book your hotel for your next company event or family adventure? Let AMI help. We have ongoing relationships with all major hotel chains and access to over 200,000 hotels. Why us? We receive special promotions before they hit the open market, meaning significant cost savings to you. Go to destination-everywhere.com and click the Source Now button and let us get to work for you. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil, and we are here talking about New York City, and we've got a great guest who actually lives in New York right now, stand-up comedian and actor, Adam Mamawala. Adam, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's nice for the AM initials to uh, stay together. You, you and I. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So you're also a podcaster right here, so you do what I do. Yes. Yes, I do. Start there. Tell us about your podcast so people can download it. Sure. So they're both rather niche. I'll start with the most niche one and then get slightly less niche. They're both involving sports. I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I live in New York now, but I grew up in the Chicago area. So a big oh, Chicago gotcha. sports fan. Yep. So one of the podcasts is called Away Games, which is a Chicago Cubs and baseball podcast. I would say it's probably better to listen to when the Cubs didn't stink, but <laughs> it's nevertheless, we, we still do it week after week and torture ourselves. It's myself and another comedian named Kevin McCaffrey. He's been yeah. on Letterman. He's been all over, all over the place. So he and I are both Chicago transplants who live in New York. And the whole idea was, you know, we talk about the Cubs all the time anyway. Why not do it into microphones and see if people listen to it? So that's one of the podcasts. Uh, you can find that uh, at Away Games Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And then the other is called Horse. It is a basketball podcast. And the whole conceit of that is that it's a podcast about basketball geared towards people who don't know anything about basketball. So we oh, focus cool. more on kind of the human interest stories. We do stories about things that are like basketball adjacent, but not necessarily the 
about statistics and nuts and bolts. Uh, well, and that's and a bolts very too, interesting yeah, take. So. Well, I mean, you've certainly already had a very storied career. You've appeared on Comedy Central, MTV, BET. You've written for Saturday Night Live. Pretty impressive. Great Thank New you. York franchise. Yeah, I mean, you've done so much, but we're here to talk about New York City and the great city that you live in. Mm-hmm. I know you're from Chicago, probably one of the best cities in the summertime, right? Yes, well said. <laughs> but New York City, one of my favorite cities on the planet, for sure. So much to do. Tell us a little bit about New York as kind of an ultimate destination sure. for someone like you who's trying to get started in show business and what really drew you to be in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I think I think Chicago is probably the best summer city in the world, but I, I still think New York is the greatest city in the world, certainly in the country. So for me, I grew up in the Chicago area. My family moved to New Jersey when I was 10. So I, I largely okay. grew up on the Northeast, despite having some Midwestern roots. And as I got into comedy, which was when I was in college in New Jersey, I started kind of dipping my toe into what it was like in New York, because obviously New York has a reputation of, of certainly being the epicenter of comedy, if not in the country, arguably, in in the world yeah for sure so initially it was very daunting you know i would take the train in from new jersey when i was in college and i would do uh, what are called bringer shows where essentially you have to schlep like 15 of your friends to come pay a bunch (laughs) of money on overpriced drinks to watch you do five minutes which you're terrible at because you're starting out I moved first New York adjacent. So I lived in Hoboken right across the, the Hudson River. Yep. I was still coming to New York a lot. And then I've been in, in New York now for almost 10 years. What's the comedy club scene like? And what can you tell our listeners about the best way to or the best places to actually experience a, a real true comedy experience in New York City? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that's most unique about New York, just because of the volume of comedians and comedy shows, is that at any given moment at, you know, say eight o'clock at night, there are probably 50 comedy shows happening simultaneously. So you certainly have your your pick of the litter there, whereas in other cities, there might be like the one club that you could go to. But that's it. So I would say at this point, the preeminent club in New York and, and kind of the white whale for me personally, uh, a place I've, I've yet to perform is the Comedy Cellar. It was already thought of in high regard. That's out in the in the West Village. But that's kind of like the the peak of where you can get to as a club comic. Two of the places that I work are New York Comedy Club and Stand Up New York. Stand Up New York is located on the Upper West Side. And okay. New York Comedy Club has two locations, one in the East Village and one in Gramercy. But there are clubs all over the place. Uh, if you're looking more towards towards Midtown, uh, Gotham Comedy Club is considered one of the best in the city. Then up closer by uh, Times Square, Caroline's is there, which is a- Oh, I've been to Caroline's, yep. Yeah, Caroline's is one of those places where I'm like, how do they pay the rent in this place? It's <laughs> gigantic, right in the heart of Times Square. Yeah. Caroline's, I've performed at a lot. I had the chance to headline some nights there, which is pretty cool. But the other thing that's cool is beyond even the club scene, there are so many independent shows in New York that people don't even know about. So especially if this is geared more towards people visiting New York. So what's the best way to people to find out about those types of shows? Like where do people go to find a good comedy show to go to in New York? One of the good resources, obviously you can Google, you know, New York comedy clubs, but Time Out New York, it used to be a physical publication, but now it's just online and they always have a list of the best free comedy shows. Great suggestion. Yeah. So if you're in New York and you're not looking to spend an arm and a leg at a club, there are shows every single night that are independently produced. They're either at bars or restaurants, that sort of thing. And they still have some of the top comics in the country because 
people live here and they're often free or you know there's a tip bucket at the end and there's no drink minimum so that's also kind of a cool way to see people working out material rather than a place like the cellar where the expectation is that everyone's going to be doing their a plus material yeah have you have you ever been in a situation where you're watching someone that you didn't know and just were like wow this person's gonna go places and it just blew everyone away all the time all the yep. time. And that's one of the cool things about being in New York and having been here as long as I have is that all of these people now that are huge stars, you look at, you know, say Michael Che, who's on who's on Weekend Update or Michelle yep. Wolf, who's had a huge career. I remember doing open mics with all of these people. So it's cool Very to cool. see people take off. And sometimes you can see it coming and sometimes it's not the people you expect. But that's one of the things about doing comedy in New York that's both intimidating and inspiring when you first get here is you'll be in a room of people that you've never heard of and you're hearing some of the best material you've ever heard and you're like how do i not know who this person is this is unbelievable but there's just such a, a wealth of talent here that's incredible now let's move on to some of your favorite places to eat i like to ask locals where to eat mm -hmm. i don't like to go to open table i don't like yes. to ask the concierge i like to ask people like you who've lived there who know all the great places what are some right. of your favorite places to grab a bite Gosh, I mean, it's very hard to narrow down. As you know, as you know, someone's That's been a tall to order to ask, but give us at least yeah. two or three. Sure. One place that I actually got to go to the, for the first time recently is called Han Dynasty. It's a Szechuan restaurant. I believe there are multiple locations. This one is closer to Columbus Circle, so a little bit okay, north of perfect. Midtown. Yeah. It's fantastic, fantastic food, served family style. If you get the pepper chicken, just beware of, of what might happen to you if you if you go a little too far with it, but that's fantastic. There are a lot of great places in my neighborhood. I'm in Astoria, which is, I mean, Queens County is statistically the most diverse county in America. So there's food of all different sorts. You've yeah, got- Yeah, and if you, if you drive yeah. to Kennedy, you realize how big it is, right? <laughs> yes. It goes on forever and ever and ever. Absolutely, absolutely. So I actually, a couple of my favorite spots are in West Harlem. I have some connections up there. Nice. Uh, my my sister lived there for a long time. My girlfriend lives up there. So I would recommend there's a place called Charles's Pan Fried Chicken that is a little nice. hole in the wall. I'm writing place. this down as we speak. Charles Pan Fried Chicken. Yep, it's on 145th and St. Nicholas. It's it just opened uh, a new location. It's fantastic. There's a place called The Edge up there that specializes in like a fusion of American and like Jamaican foods, which is which is fantastic. Fumo is one of my favorite places. They have locations uh, in Harlem and, and the Upper West Side. It's Italian food and pizza. So, I mean, you will not be hungry, anyone who ever comes to New York City. You'd have to try to be hungry. That, that's, that's awesome. And when you first got there, were there some sites that you really wanted to see or some things that were really special that people who may have maybe listening to this is their first time going sure. to New York? What should they experience? Well, absolutely. Yeah. And I think there are times where I'll meet people who've been to New York once and they're like, yeah, I didn't really like it. And then I ask them, where did you go? And they're like, oh, we just went to Times Square. It's like, well, that's why you didn't like it. That's yeah. Times Square is a place. I think Times Square to me is like Vegas. Like everyone should go see it once, but you don't necessarily need to do a lot more than that. Then stay away, right? Completely, completely. Yeah. So as a kid, when we would come in from New Jersey, my context was as a tourist, right? We would go to the top of the Empire State Building or yeah. we would go, you know, on a big bus tour. My biggest recommendations for people who have not been here, take the Staten Island Ferry. That's it's really, really cool. It's free. You get to kind of I've heard of this. Yeah. Some of the best views, right? incredible views if you go like this time of year we're recording this in the summer if you go towards sunset you get that amazing view of the statue of liberty as the sun is setting now the touristy thing to do is to walk across the brooklyn bridge which is cool but my advice is to walk across the manhattan bridge because that way you get the view of the brooklyn bridge oh nice that's a great um, local suggestion 
Totally, totally. There's also Brooklyn Bridge Park is beautiful. That's down underneath the Brooklyn Bridge. Obviously, Central Park is, is well known, but yeah. as someone who I don't think I really appreciated how amazing Central Park was until the pandemic and the only place we could go was Central Park. Yeah, It's a really, really amazing place. And there's a new thing that just cropped up, I think in the past year or two called Little Island, which okay. is on the west side. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. But it is this structure that's like built out of the water and you can either get a pass. Oh, or it's in Hudson Yards, right? It's yes, Hudson, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So that I went there with my parents and it's always funny now when they come visit, then that becomes my excuse to be a tourist on my own yeah. city again. So I'm like, absolutely. I'm glad you're prompting me to do this because I wouldn't have done it myself. Cool. Well, thanks for all those recommendations. They're all great. Before we let you go, we have something here called our rapid fire questions, which are, we like to try to pull some information out of you for something for our listeners. So let me um, go through these questions real quick. I know we uh, gave them to you, so hopefully you're ready for them. So the first rapid fire question is, have you ever completed anything on your own personal bucket list? And if so, what was it? I have. I am a huge Chicago Cubs fan, and I got to go to the World Series. So in 2016, the Cubs finally ended their 108-year skid of futility. And I had always made a promise to myself once we moved out east, no matter what, if the Cubs ever get to the World Series, I'm going to Chicago. I had no expectation that I could go to a game, but I said, I I just have to be there for the atmosphere, right? So I flew out for the World Series just to soak in the vibes, and the Cubs ended up losing games three and four, right? So now they're (laughs) down three, one. But what that opened up for me was the opportunity to see a game because ticket prices started dropping. Initially, when I had flown out there, I want to say the cheapest ticket for standing room only was five grand. And I just wasn't feasible. But after they went down three, one in the series, prices started dropping. I started getting the wheels turning and I jumped for it. I bought one ticket. I went there alone. I sat in the in the last row of the bleachers. The Cubs won that game. They ended up coming back and winning the series. And it was honestly might be the best night of my life. That's a worthwhile investment for sure, especially as your team, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, truly one of those once in a lifetime sort of things. Now, had they gotten blown out and lost the World Series that night, I don't know if I would feel <laughs> the same about it. But given the fact that that was the, the start of their comeback, it was... I mean, there were tears for sure. That's a great bucket list item. All right. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? I would live in Italy, which is a place that I have never been. But one of the only regrets that I have in my life is that I minored in Italian in college and I never did a study abroad. And I really regret missing that window where I could have had basically no responsibilities and just gone to Italy for four months. So my goal would be, I would go there for a year. I'd travel throughout Italy. I would try to brush up on my Italian to see if I can get it back to being, you know, borderline conversational, but it's, I've heard it's a beautiful country. Any particular region or just Italy? I've heard that Florence is, tends to be people's favorite, favorite city. So I think, I think that, yeah, you've been yeah absolutely absolutely it's it, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful and the artwork is is stunning it's absolutely yeah. stunning oh excellent and finally what is your most memorable experience in new york city since we're talking about that today well it's something that if you had told it to me two years ago i would have thought i was uh, recounting a traumatic experience but <laughs> during covid um we as comedians had to get very creative right so i was doing a lot of zoom shows i was doing shows in central park and one of the clubs I had mentioned before, Stand Up New York, they were the most inventive by far. And so in the spring of last year, in 2021, I performed on the one train. So we did a stand-up show on the local on the local. Was there anybody train. else on the local? So there was actually people there? There were. So the way we did it was that he reached out to some of the regulars at the club and said, hey, we're trying to do this thing. And so we all met up on like 72nd Street. 
And as a group, this is myself and a few other comedians and like 10 audience members, we all boarded the last train, the last train car. And we started an impromptu show. We had a little microphone, everybody's wearing masks. And we did That's it. That's a great memory. Yeah. Right. But what was funny was that it's still a train so that at every stop, people were getting on and off and had no idea they were walking into a comedy show. <laughs> so there was certainly a lot of opportunity for crowd work. There were a lot of very confused people wondering what the heck they had, had walked into. What I would like to know is that if you guys were so good that people actually stayed on past their stop. I think so. I think there were some times that people recognized how unique of a situation they had just walked into and were like, hey, what the heck? I'm not in a rush. I'll, well, I'll as they around. say, only in New York City, something only like that's York, only going to happen in New York. Right. And of course, as someone who's worked very hard for over a decade, it would be me performing on the one train that gets me the best newspaper exactly. credits I've ever had in my life. They covered it in the New York Times and the London Times. They had reporters from all over the place covering it. Oh, so that's great. That's great. Go figure, right? All right. Thanks, Adam. Before we leave, we should mention that your latest album, Statistically More Relatable, is number one on the iTunes comedy chart. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it just came out. I'm not sure exactly when this will be released, but on uh, July 15th, it debuted. It was number one on the iTunes comedy charts, which is like one of those cool things that no one can take away from you, no matter what happens. I'm really, <laughs> really proud of it. And it is, I think it's the best thing that I've ever done. So I, I do hope oh, that people check uh, it out. I can't wait to listen to it. Now, Thank you. where can our listeners find you on social media? So it's just my name. As long as you can figure out how to spell my last name, you'll be good to go. It's just at Adam Mamawala on Twitter and Instagram. My website is AdamMamawala.com. Pretty much if you Google me, I'm, I'm very easy to find. I, I don't think there are other Adam Mamawalas out there. So you'll... Oh, you'll yeah. Just well, it's, it's just so everyone can listen, because a lot of people are listening. It's M-A-M-A-W-A-L-A. So yep, Mama I have, yeah, I have like an A, every other letter of my first and last name. It is it is a little a bit of an oddity for, to have that, but very phonetic. People get intimidated when they see it, but you, you pronounce <laughs> it perfectly. Well, thanks so much. Thanks so much for sharing your experiences in New York City for our listeners. We really appreciate it and wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Adam. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. And Andy, what a great discussion you had with Adam. He seems like just a really, really fun and entertaining guy. Oh, yeah. I love how he's a, he's a transplant. So he's looking at New York City from uh, being uh, someone not from there, but also living in the city for a while. And he also travels back and forth from L.A. So he definitely sees everything. And then he loves New York. Well, and now so the, the part of our show where we usually kind of just recap some of the bucket lists. And, but for New York, I just find it hard to do that. I think there's just so much happening in that city at any one time. Oh my gosh. Um, we didn't even talk about Broadway. We didn't even oh, we talk didn't go about to Broadway. Wall Street. We didn't talk about Central Park. We didn't talk, we didn't about, talk about Harlem Times Square. We didn't even go up to the Upper East Side or the Upper I know. West Side. So we'll have to come back. Yeah. There's, there's so much to do. In fact, we should probably, you know, designate a show to the different neighborhoods of New York, because each one I is think so that's unique. that's a great idea. Chinatown, you know, the East Village, the West Village, Chelsea, you know, Harlem, it goes on and on. So this is something you're probably going to come back and hear a lot more on our show about New York, because it is one of our top destinations in the world. So with that, we would like to say one, thank you for joining us. But we would also like to thank our team. We have our copywriters, Rusty McNeely and Louis Pedraza, our podcast producers, the Lightship Studios team. So please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast app or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. So we look forward to speaking with you next time on Destination Everywhere. Safe travels. 
You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit www.americanmeetings.com. Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.